As I was working on this sermon, I came up with an illustration, and my wife pointed out that my illustration was from the 1900s, and it made me think, wow, I might be getting a little bit older. But maybe you remember um, back in the, in the 90s, there was a, a book series that came out called the, the Magic Eye, and there was these weird pictures that you would see that kind of looked like a pattern, and you would hold them close to your nose, and as you pulled them out, all of a sudden a 3D image would, would kind of like pop out at you, and you could see them. Uh, and I remember going to different places, and you know, you, you have other friends and family you'd be with, and you would see one of these pictures on the wall, and you would, you would kind of get close to it, and then you'd kind of pull away from it. And people would quickly say, well, oh, I, I see it. Uh, it. You know, it's a jet plane, or it's, a, you know, it's, it's some kind of flower, or something like that. And I remember being a kid and oftentimes trying to do that and thinking, I don't see what they're talking about. Uh, and, and I would say, well, yeah, it's, it's a jet plane. And then, you know, somebody would come after and say, no, that was a house. And it's like, well, it looked the same. Um, and so as, as we are looking at the book of Ruth uh, this morning, there's a, an overarching theme that I'm hopeful that we'll be able to take away is that uh, as we as we look at some different angles from different characters that are recorded in this book, that we will have uh, the understanding of how to respond to God's providence. Uh, you can see in our, in our worship guide at the beginning of the bulletin what providence is. Uh, part of that is from the Westminster uh, uh, Standards. And so uh, I, I'm hopeful that as, as we look at these that we'll be able to, to kind of understand and, and have a, a better understanding of, of what it means and how to respond to God's providence. And so if you'll read along with me, Ruth 2 is a little bit longer. Uh, you're welcome to, I think it'll be up on the screens, or you can look uh, in your copy of God's Word or in one of the Pew Bibles, uh, if you'll follow along with me. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of ears of grain after him whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man, young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from, a country of Mo from the country of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. She came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go and glean in another field, or leave this one, but keep close to my young women, and let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping, and go after them. I have not charged the young have I not charged the young men not to touch you. And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink that you drink what that that the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? Bo Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has fully told, been told to me. And how you left your father and your mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. 
the Lord repay you for, for what you have done, and full reward be given, to, given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. In the meantime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. Then she rose to glean and Boaz instructed the young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her, but also pull out some from the bundles for her to, to, and leave it for her to glean and not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening, and she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had had gleaned, and she also brought out out and gave her what food she had left after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? Where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she took and so she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I worked today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living and the dead. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, besides, he said to me, you shall keep close by my young men until they have finished the harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with, the, with his young women, lest, another feel, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Thus ends the reading of God's word. As we uh, think of that, that long passage, as this, as this chapter uh, our, our Advent series is the book of Ruth, and so Tim started with chapter 1, giving us kind of an introduction of, of where we are uh, in the time of the judges. We are introduced to Naomi, we're introduced to the loss of her, her children and how they've come back. And so at the beginning of the scene here, we see that um, there's a couple characters that are identified. We see that um, the, the barley harvest is just starting, and uh, that's, that's kind of where we are. And so as we try and uh, figure out how do we respond to God's providence, the first main point that I want us to, to see is to look and see how Boaz understood the joys of living in God's providence. Again, we are looking to see that Boaz understood the joys of living in God's providence. Uh, as we look at Boaz, there's a, a phrase at the beginning or a word that describes him that gives us a really good understanding of what kind of man this was. Uh, he's described as a worthy man. And so as we kind of unpack that with his actions and the way he speaks uh, in, in this passage, we see that there is a foundational level in which we can understand of who Boaz is. Uh, he is this worthy man, but he also has an understanding of who God is and who he is as a man. Uh, he knew his place in the world. Uh, and in that, uh, we see pretty quickly that he allowed there to be gleaning done in his field. Uh, this was not just something that he had come up with in his own mind, but this was something that was prescribed. We read about it in Leviticus, 
uh, in chapter 19, verses 9 and 10, uh, that gleaning was set up uh, and it was established to care for the widows, for those that were uh, in, in hard times. Uh, they could go out and they could follow along and they could get to the edges of the fields, the, the things that were dropped. Uh, the, 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 glean, or the, the reapers were told not to pick that up, but to let, let the poor and the lowly come out and to gather those, and that would be the way in which the Lord would provide for them. And so we see that Boaz is, is doing what the law has expressed him to do. He, he knows that. Uh, oftentimes it's recorded in Scripture that, that the Israelites didn't do that. But it's particularly interesting that in a, a season that has just come off of famine, that Boaz is doing that, that he is, he's allowing this to happen, uh, and he's encouraging it. Uh, and apparently it's not just something he's said, but it's, it's actually something that his people, uh, the, the reapers and the man that's in charge, as, as Boaz comes and asks, is, is aware of, that you should allow this to happen. And so we see that, that base level uh, that, that is there. But we also see in that base level that Boaz had a, a, a greater understanding of who God was. In Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 21 through 22, it says, When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterwards. It shall be, the, it be, shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you, do this. We see that Boaz, in his understanding of who he was and understanding of who God is, that he had been placed in this position to have a field, to be in the promised land, to be one of God's children, to be a, an offspring of one of the ones who was pulled out of the land of Egypt and who was once a slave. And so he is his understanding at a basic level that, hey, God has been very, very gracious to me. He has given me all that I have. Everything that I have to, to, to be able to give to others has been given to me from the Lord. And so out of a, out of a wellspring of that, out of a, an overflow of his heart, we see him acting in different ways. We see particularly how generous he is. It's not just this base level of I'll fulfill the law, but we also see him moving past that. We see that in a couple ways, in the way in which he gives food. Uh, we all know the story of Ruth, and I think one of our natural tendencies is to know that this is a great love story. And we'd look at this and say, okay, well, maybe there was some kind of attraction, and, and Boaz was trying to impress Ruth. But as we look at him referred to as a daughter, and as we look at the, the different parts of Scripture, we see that, that this was not a, a, a love thing. This was a love for the Lord. This is a, a desire in which he had to provide for somebody who was from a foreign land, coming in and, and wanted to provide for a mother-in-law. And so while it moves later into a romantic uh, gesture, we see that here this is just Boaz being a worthy man. Uh, we also see that he was generous in the amount of food that he gave her. There's no stipulation in God's law that, that when you break with your reapers and you're, you're in there working with them, that you would call the, those that are sojourning or, or in your land to, to come over and to sit down and eat with you. But but Ruth is invited to come and, and to join a, in a meal with them. And in that, she's, he's even provided her so much food that she's satisfied. It's something in our culture that we don't really understand, but that it was oftentimes that you wouldn't have a meal in which you were completely satisfied. But maybe for the first time in a long time, Ruth has been given so much blessing here from, from Boaz that she is completely satisfied, so much that she has extra that she can take home to Naomi. Uh, and we see also 
that he doesn't just stop there, but that he tells his reapers to leave more. He says, you know, let, let stuff hit the ground. Pull stuff out of the, the sheaves. Let her continue on. Don't rebuke her, but, but allow her some ease and be able to gather more than she has gathered in just the, the normal ways of gleaning. But in his generosity, it's not just with food, but it's with safety. Uh, there's no necessarily stipulation in which he needs to make sure that he watches out for whoever's in the field. But he sees uh, this underlying understanding that in that time there was tremendous dangers, that the world was filled with men and women at that time that did what was right in their own eyes, that would, that would pursue things that were not wholesome, that were not kind to others. And so here's a, a young single woman who's out in a field, and it could be a scary place. We see it throughout kind of the, 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 the underlinings of this whole chapter is it's a dangerous thing for Ruth to go out by herself. And so all of a sudden, Boaz is looking and saying, you know, I want to provide this woman safety. And so he does it. He, he provides it for, he says, you know, hang close to my women. Hang close to, to these men that I have told not to touch you or, or to bother you. And in it, you know, he, he, he reminds her of like, I want your eyes to be on the field, not looking out side to side, trying to figure out what's coming. That, you know, you have protection when you're in my field. Uh, but it's not that he stops there, but he also gives the gift of joy. He owes overflowing in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 it's recorded that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And we see that in Boaz's life, that in, in the gratitude in which he's been shown, in the ways in which he and God's province has been given so much, he, he has, a, has an overflowing in his tongue that he goes to others. We see it in verse 4 when he meets the, the reapers out there. He says, the Lord be with you. Uh, he, he's clearly uh, understanding that that he serves the Lord, and he wants others to understand that as well. And then in verse 12, we see it even more clear. He says, the Lord repay you for what you've done, and the full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And here we get to see even more into Boaz's heart, that he was living as a man who lived underneath the shadow of the God of Israel's wings. He knew where his protections were from. He knew where his food was from, and he knew where the joyous parts of his heart were from. They're all from the Lord, and his kind providence, Boaz, had been shown all of this. And so how do we respond as we look at Boaz as his understanding of living in God's providence? Now, this is not a we-need-to-be-like-Boaz moment in which we say, okay, let's be like Boaz, but instead we need to look to the source of what's going on in Boaz's heart, what allows him to be able to view the world in this way. And so if we look at this, we have to ask the question, do you understand your place in the world? Do you understand, like Boaz, that God is a perfect God and that we are sinners and that everything in this world belongs to him? And as we get wonderful things, as we're given wonderful things, those are from the Lord. And that uh, it, it changes our perspective. It changes the ways in which we get up in the morning and say, okay, I've been given another breath. It changes the way in which we say, I received another paycheck or I, there was another meal on the table. And for us to be able to fully understand that, what the, the question is, do we, do we trust in God's word? We see that Boaz did that. He trusted in, in the word. Uh, do we trust that God will provide so that will free us up to allow us to be generous? Do you understand the protection that the Lord gives us that allows us to be able to protect others? As a, as a congregation, we just together said, hey, we're going to help the Gibsons in raising of their child. 
there's a tremendous comfort and a reassurance as a parent that that gives to know that, that there's a family, not just the immediate family, but the church family that is there to help and to raise up. And I can't tell you the number of times that, that I've had a child go off on a, on a youth function or maybe a missions trip. And, and I think, well, I'm not going to be there. But then I think of the men and the, the other youth leaders that are there that are, are literally a, a hedge of protection around my children. And it's, it's a glorious picture of how that is being lived out in our church. And then in this, we also look at our words. How often do we use our words to point others to the Lord? With that in mind, let us move on and let us look uh, to Ruth. Uh, we need to see that Ruth discovers the joys of, being, of living in God's providence. Again, we see that Ruth discovers the joys of living in God's providence. The first thing that we know about Ruth is that her life has been hard up until this point. Uh, she lived in a faraway land. Uh, she was married. Uh, and in that, her husband dies. Uh, with that, she has no kids. Uh, she has no way in which to provide for herself. And in fact, she's in a, in a real precarious kind of situation where she was brought into a family and now all of a sudden she, she might be asked, or she was asked to kind of leave the family. And so she's kind of oh, trying to figure that out. But also we see it's really interesting uh, to me that three times in this passage she's identified as a Moabite. Uh, it's one of those, uh, I, I thought it would be clear by now, but no, it, it continues to be outlined throughout the whole book. Here is a Moabite woman, as Tim pointed out uh, last week, that the, 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 the line of the Moabites came from Lot when he had a, a, an improper relationship with his oldest daughter. And so in the breaking of God's law, all of a sudden this people came about. And so this is, this is kind of the identity. This is the, the way in which Ruth is being approached in life. But we see that there is a, a drastic contrast between the way in which people identify her by her nationality. But how she is viewed in her new citizenship. We see that, that Ruth was an adopted daughter of the Most High King, and that uh, we can see that in a couple ways in, the, in, this, uh, in this book. If we go back to chapter 1, verse 16, we see her proclamation to Naomi when she says, your people shall be my people, and your God my God. We see that, that she was faced with the idea of going back and being part of the culture in which she had been pulled out of, and in somewhere in, in her life, she was told the truths of the gospel. She was told the truths of the God of Israel and how there would be a coming Messiah. And so she was looking to that and she found her faith and trust in the Lord in it. And when she was confronted with the idea of staying where she was or going back to the promised land, she chose to come back. And so we see, hey, she, she has a changed heart. She has a, a desire for the Lord and not just for herself. We see that also in how she lived. Boaz um, saw that she was different and her perspective in life had changed. We see her, him identify that in a couple different places. Uh, in verse 11 it says, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has fully been told to me. How you have left your father and your mother, your native land, and came to a people that you did not know before. And for us, as we've been going through the book of Luke, we should all of a sudden kind of start to say that that language is kind of familiar. It reminds me of something that, that Jesus said uh, to those that had come around the, the, the crowds around him. In Luke 14, verses 25 through 27, he says, now great, Jesus says, now great crowds came around him. And he turned to them and said, if anyone comes to me 
and does not hate his father and his mother, his wife and his children, and his brothers and his sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And so we see this clear picture of the way in which Ruth has given up the ways of her past life, the ways in which she was living a dead and fallen world, and she's been made alive to the gospel, and she's living that out, and she's She's denying her father and mother, her, her heritage, everything that she knows she's left behind because she wants to come and she wants to be a, a daughter of the Lord and, and the Lord's doing this and his providence. And we also see that it's not just with words or a one-time action, that, that Ruth continues on as she worked. Her work ethic was, was that of someone that was wanting to serve the Lord, not just herself. She, she didn't leave the land because she thought, oh, when I go back to the promised land, it'll be real easy for Naomi. She'll, she'll get everything that she wants. Uh, you know, I'll be like a queen and, and this will be great. She comes back to work. She works all day long. There's a short rest in there than which they said. But then she eats and then she works till the evening. Uh, she, she's harvesting all the season long. It's not that, hey, I got one, one big haul, I brought it home, and, and here I am. But she, she works the whole harvest, not just the barley harvest, but the wheat harvest. She wants to make sure that she's working hard. And if we move forward, even into chapter 3, we see that Boaz has been identified, that others in the town have notified uh, him that, that she is considered a worthy woman. Yet again, another way in which her life has been shown is she, she has changed. She is seeking the Lord. And so here is a point where we can, we can pause and say, how do we apply this to our life, uh, our lives? Well, and the question that we need to ask at the beginning is, have you felt the kindness of God's faith shine, shining upon you? Are you a believer? Are you like Ruth? Or Ruth, have you been adopted into God's kingdom, and are you living for Him now? And so, there's a question of well, how does that work? How do I do that? And first, we have to acknowledge, like Boaz did, of, of our place in the life that we are sinners and that we need a Savior, that we need someone to save us from ourselves. And so. As Ruth did, she looked to the Lord and said, okay, Lord, will you provide a way for me? And, and that's exactly what Jesus did as we celebrate Advent, is he came and he lived the perfect life. He died for our sins, but he didn't just stay there. He rose from the grave. And as he rose from the grave, he didn't just stay on the earth, but he ascended into heaven. And in doing so, he's providing each and every one of us a way in which we can be made right and that we can come and we can be part of God's kingdom. And so I'd ask that today, would you, would you consider, it, is that what you've done? And if not, I'd ask, why not? Uh, and to cry out to the Lord and to pray. And if you would like to ask questions, there are many in this, in this building now that would love to tell you about their stories and how they've put their faith in and help encourage you and trust in it. Uh, and so with that... Um, one of the other questions that we can ask is, have you discovered the joys of living for the Lord? It's hard oftentimes uh, to be a Christian. Often in our culture in the United States, it's, it's this idea that we're sold, hey, when you become a Christian, everything will get easier. Uh, well, in a way, it, it does, but in also in another way, it often gets harder because all of a sudden we're aware of the sin in our lives. We're aware of the hardships uh, that... The ease of getting better is, is knowing that, that we will one day be in heaven with the Lord, but there is also the realization that the hard things will come. Life has not been easy for Ruth, and we also know that life was not easy for Naomi. And so with that, let's look at Naomi and how we can see that Naomi is renewed in the joys of living in God's providence.
Again, we can see that Naomi is renewed in the joys of living in God's providence. Just like when we first were introduced to Ruth, we know that Naomi has not had an easy life either. Uh, We can only imagine uh, the difficulties in which she faced day in and day out. Uh, In the fact that she lost her husband, Uh, she lost her children, Uh, she lost all of her ability to gather resources and to to live, and so much so that she knew that she needed to come back to the promised land. Um, We can pause for a minute and just think, what would it have been like for Naomi to, to think about all of the circumstances that have happened in her life up until this point, all the different hardships that she's experienced. We see, even see in verse, chapter 1, verse 20, she says, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mera, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. We see here that there is a woman who is struggling very, very, very difficultly with the challenges of life, and she is, is wrestling with bitterness. Last week, Tim pointed out that in her return to the promised land, it was a a signal to the reader that this was not just her returning because she wanted good things, but there was a a form of repentance. There's this this idea that that Naomi knew that she needed to be in in the promised land underneath the shadows of God's wing and that that she had in some way messed up as she had gone there because she left the promised land. And so as, as we think of that, we, we see a woman here, and, and her faith is like that of a coal that has been set out, and it's not been around others, and it's become very weak, and, it, and, it, and, it's, and it's got a little bit of a smoke to it, but there's not a whole lot of heat that's coming off of it, and there's a lot of questions of, of exactly, you know, what's going to happen with Naomi in here. And so uh, what we can see here is that uh, it, it is a, it's a stark contrast to what Ruth has been doing, the way in which Ruth has been a living life. Ruth is, is, a, is a coal that's hot and it's on fire and, it, and, it's, and it's making everyone aware around that there's something going on. And so as we look uh, at, at Naomi, we need to see that, that she's wrestling with bitterness, but particularly there's some amazing things that happens. We see that uh, Naomi's faith was renewed. And the ways in which we can see that uh, particularly are two different ways uh, in her reaction and in the advice that she gives. Uh, we see that as this coal is, is kind of smoldering, as it's not producing much heat, uh, that all of a sudden Ruth comes in and she, she plops down this ephah of barley in front of her and pulls out these other roasted, this roasted barley and says, you know, here. And all of a sudden this coal, you know, is hit with kind of like the wave of, hey, something happened here. And, and, it, and it kind of like perks her up. Uh, this ephah of barley is about 30 pounds. And so this is not just a, a hey, th- this will get us through tomorrow. This is, uh, you know, two or three weeks worth of food is all of a sudden plopped down in front of her. And, and all of a sudden she, she kind of like staggers and says, whoa, you know, h- h- how does this happen? And so as we look at her response, we see that she, she says, you know, well, who, who did this? Uh, you know, who, who, who did you run into that would allow this to happen? Because this is clearly not something that you could have done on your own. And we see in verse 20 that her response to her daughter-in-law, she says, may he be blessed by the Lord. We see that, that Naomi is all of a sudden becoming aware to God's providence is at work here. That, that Ruth went out into the field and she went to, to minister and to, to seek out and to glean. And she comes back with an abundance Okay, the Lord is doing something here. We also see that next she says, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And so all of a sudden she's made aware to, 
you know, the Lord has produced uh, in written and on people's hearts, but also in command that there's ways in which we are to approach and the way in which we're to live life. And particularly one of those ways is with this idea of a redeemer. This is the first time in which we see it in the book and it becomes a much more a, a central piece of the book of Ruth uh, in, in later chapters. But today we can, we can realize that basically Jesus, or the, the Lord has, has given this concept of a redeemer, to be able to buy back, to be able to, to redeem those that are in a terrible situation and to be brought back into, uh, made whole again. And so uh, we can look at this wonderful picture that already with Ruth, that, that through Lot's sin, she was taken away from the blessings of the Lord, yet through the coming of this redeemer, she's going to be able to bring, be brought back into the relationship of the God of Israel. And so there's, there's some foreshadowing here. There's a, a little bit of a sparkle in the midst of, of some darkness in, in uh, Naomi's life of, of hey, wait, th- there's a redeemer. There, there's, a, there's a way out of this darkness. And then we see it even more in her advice that she gives. Uh, if we look at verse 22, it seems obvious at first. She says to, to Ruth, um, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you were assaulted. You know, clearly that's a, a really good advice of, of a mother-in-law to, a, you know, a, a single woman that is heading out into the field in, in dangerous times. But if you step back for a moment, you start to see uh, that, that Naomi has learned from her own personal experiences, that she is trying to communicate on something that she has learned for herself that she wants to communicate to others. She used to live in the promised land she lived there with her husband and with her sons. And for some reason, in the time of, of, of drought, in a time of famine, she decided that she was going to leave the field in which she was protected, the field in which she was going to live in underneath the shadow of God's wings and go out and do her own thing. And she's looking at this young woman and saying, don't do like I did. Stay in the shadow of the wings of this one that's providing for you. Stay in God's providence. Stay in here. It is, it is so much better to live in the promised land than it is to go off in some other place. And so as we kind of round things out, what are some ways in which we can apply this to our own lives? Naomi's looking and uh, in, in being renewed in God's providence. Uh, the question that would ask is, how would you rate your faith today? Are you a glowing coal that is shining brightly for all to see? Or is there seasons in your life where it's, it's harder for you to, to really understand of, hey, I'm not giving off a whole lot of warmth. This has been a whole lot of challenges in my life. And so with that, uh, we, we have to ask ourselves, uh, do you, what, what are you looking to to have your faith renewed? Are you looking to the things of this world? Or are you looking to the good gifts that God has given you? Are you looking to Jesus himself, first of all, because he's the one that left so that he would send the Holy Spirit to be with us, to, to renew us day in and day out? But as we look to be renewed in the Lord, are we, are we praying? Are we praying by ourselves, but are we praying with others? Are we in fellowship with other believers? As coals get together, they, they, they help uh, encourage each other in, in becoming hotter. Are you in the word of God? Uh, are you making it a priority to sit under the preaching of God's word and so that you can hear the wonderful things that the Lord has done? Are you, are you putting your mind in a place in which you are, are willing to, to, to be taught and to learn and to grow 
in the Lord. And then as we saw this wonderful sacrament uh, administered this morning, are you reminded and in, in coming to the sacraments regularly where we can taste and see that the Lord is good? Two times a month we, we participate in the Lord's Supper in which we are spiritually nourished. Are you, are you availing yourself to that? Are you remembering your own baptism? Are you remembering the baptism of your children or your parents in which you are reminded of God's covenant promises and the, and the wonderful things in which he's doing? And so as we continue to look at that, we, we find ourselves going back to Jesus over and over again. And so that big question that we started with of how are you responding to God's providence? Uh, is it like one of those pictures that I was talking about at the beginning where we, we look at it and we say, well, I, I don't even want to try. Uh, that, that's really hard for me. And so I, I, don't, I don't know. It just kind of frustrates me. Do we look at it and say, well, I, I think I understand. Or are we starting to look at it and say, you know, I understand my place in the world. I understand that there is a sovereign God who's ruling and reigning on high. He's over everything that's going on and, and he's doing amazing things for me. And as we pull even further back at this passage, as we look at each one of these characters and we think about their lives, as, as we look at it, we're reading from a perspective that was written during the time of David, most likely, people would think. And so this is a couple generations later in which they're able to look back and they're able to see, hey, the Lord's hand was at work here. He's doing an amazing thing here that each one of these individuals probably couldn't see. I, I can tell you now, Boaz was not thinking, oh, you know what, if, if I do the Lord's commands here, I'll end up with a wife and I'll end up with a child like I want. Ruth was not thinking, if I go out and I live, you know, for the daily bread in this, maybe I'll end up with a husband, maybe I'll end up with a child, maybe I'll be redeemed, and I'll be recorded through all history as one of the, off or one of, one of the mothers of, of the way, of the line of, of King David, but ultimately King Jesus. And here's, here's Naomi, who's, you know, struggling with bitterness. Did she really think that in this bringing back of a, a Moabite, you know, daughter-in-law, that, that this would be what would come out of it? And so there's often times where, as a people, we're very quick to forget what the Lord has done in our lives. We get through a hard time or a really good time. And we say, Lord, it's amazing to see the wonderful things that you've done. But it's, it's, it's recorded throughout all scripture that we, we oftentimes have very short-term memories where we forget these things. And so my prayer is that this Christmas season that we would uh, be working hard to see that the Lord's providence is good and that he's bringing glory to himself, and in that we can find enjoyment in him. If you would pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful riches that you've poured out upon us. We thank you for the ways in which you have cared for your people, the ways in which you have saved your people. And Lord, we pray that as each one of us has a testimony this morning of the ways in which you have poured out your mercy upon us, the ways in which you have provided for us, the ways in which you've protected us, the ways in which you've been gracious to us over and over again. Lord, may we, may we sing of the joys. May we, um, may we sing them loudly. Lord, we pray these things in your son's name. Amen.